This episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast is brought to you by Heart and Home, Heartbeat International's e-newsletter for leaders in maternity housing ministries. Sign up today at heartbeatservices.org under the Affiliates Only tab. Subscribe to Heart and Home today to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of maternity homes. Thanks for listening. Hello, Pregnancy Help Podcast listeners. This is Valerie Humes. I'm coming to you from our National Maternity Housing Coalition uh, here with Heartbeat International. So today our podcast is focused on something that is um, fresh on my mind here at the coalition, and I'm learning fresh on others' minds as well. Um, And so today we are going to be talking about rebranding. So questions like when is it time to rebrand what is rebranding how do you do it and you know when do you, when is this good for your your organization uh is it as simple as thinking about hey my logo looks old and outdated so i should update it or is there more to it so as we've been asking those questions uh we got connected with debbie capen at miravia So Miravia is a maternity housing program for college students in North Carolina. So Debbie has perspective and experience, uh, probably the most valuable experience that we all want, which is actually walking through it personally on uh, successful rebranding. So today we are going to be asking her questions and getting insight from her. So Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor. Thanks for having me, Valerie. So, Debbie, I appreciate your time. Um, Can you fill us in? Tell us who you are, what you do, um, and just a little about Miravia. What what is that? Sure. So, Miravia started um, in 1994 under the name of Room at the Inn in Charlotte, North Carolina. And at that time, it was a maternity home. Um, offering assistance to women who were in a crisis housing situation and was more along the shorter term, you know, maybe till um, the baby was born, maybe a few months after the baby was born. Um, When I joined the organization in 2008, it was because I was super excited about a new direction that the organization was taking to house pregnant college students through an amazing partnership with Belmont Abbey College, uh, where the Abbey donated the land and Room at the Inn was mounting a capital campaign to build a new facility there that would house pregnant students from any college, um, but under one roof in a campus setting. Um, And as someone who myself had experienced abortion in college um, and had returned to my faith and wanted to help I just thought it was the perfect opportunity to get involved. And so at that time, rebranding was on the mind of the board um, and the leadership of the organization. But it's a huge, you know, it's a huge task, right? And they tried to get it off the ground a few times. And so it wasn't until 2013 when uh, someone came into um, our uh, attention through the board who wanted to help us with that that it really got traction and everybody got behind it. And we were so excited to go through the process and came out on the other side as Miravia. So quite the journey there. 
you know, I can't say I've crossed paths with very many uh, people in the maternity housing movement that have focused and I guess if I could say specialized with the college student demographic. So this really piques my interest. Uh, and I, I love it. Are y'all involved with one particular university or are there a few there in your area? Well, we would love eventually, you know, to have Miravia at every college, right? I mean, it's the need is everywhere, but somewhere has to be first. And I applaud the vision of Belmont Abbey, the, the, the monastery and the school. It's a partnership between the monastery and the school of Belmont Abbey College and Miravia, where they invited us into their space, um, wanting to make an impact um, and, and set an example. And just from their offer, now we've housed women from 10 different colleges in eight different states. So we're showing that it's not only needed, but it can be a destination. That's a great point and segues directly into branding, right? Because this leads into this discussion about um, proof of concept, but also how do we demonstrate to the community or what kind of impression do we create within the community that leads them to understand what we want them to understand, right? So in your situation, one of the, I'm sure many things I just heard is that it's showing you're able to show the community is that this issue isn't localized, but that this need uh, is vast. And also it can be a, a point of attraction or even destination at college um, colleges and universities around. And, and so that just kind of piques my interest, but let's start at the top. For people like myself that are starting kind of 101 and are in this maternity housing world, could you tell us just from the top, what is branding? Yeah, it, that's a question that often the experts can't even agree on, as I've learned. Um, but when we think of branding, we usually are thinking of brand names like Coke or Amazon or, you know, logos. But it's really a lot more than that. And it's taking your organization, your values, your services, your commitment, and finding a way to communicate that. And not only a way that instills trust with people, but also differentiates you in their minds from others. Um, and what I found in that process is you, know, you, you can have a name and a logo and it can it's, if it's seen by a thousand people, it's going to be perceived in a thousand different ways. Um, and you, we really had to look at the fact that we have you, know, you think of customers who look at a brand and who are our customers. Our customers are not only our, our clients who we want to serve, but it's also our donors. And beyond our donors, it's also um, community agencies that would refer people to us. It's potential volunteers and board members. And how do you want your name, your logo, the, the short sentences on what you do to be perceived and to do it in a way that sets you apart? Um, so it's I'm learning, and it's a, and it's an ongoing process. It's it's not one and done. It's it's a constant of of putting that out there for people to see, um, and understanding that just because we're nonprofit doesn't mean we don't have a product. You know, our product is our service, um, and we are in a world now that everything has to be easily digestible and you know fits in, into a Twitter post. 
and it makes it more and more uh, challenging. But also, I think it calls us to be better and, and to be willing to adjust and adapt so that everybody can identify with us. So I just took some notes here and wrote in quotes, our product is our service. I want to make sure that I remember that. I think that's such an applicable little nugget there. So tying this into the housing movement, then thinking about how our product is our, our service and um, how you really broke down the audience that we are making impressions upon about what we do, our product. Right. How is branding... In your eyes, how would you say branding is important to the housing community or housing movement specifically? I suppose mm -hmm. I should say, how is it important to the maternity housing movement specifically? Right. Well, I, I think it was best put to me by a nurse at a campus health center. So we, we tried to reach out and, and include some feedback from those that would be looking at our brand and who we would want them to share our information with potential clients. And she was very frank with us. She said, she said, you know, if a pregnant student comes to us, and this is at a major, this is at a major college, and she said, we'll give them a folder that has materials in it. And she said, your brochure is going to be right next to Planned Parenthood's brochure. So you better be sure that it's professional, looks slick, looks just as good as theirs if you want to be taken seriously. Um, and that really hit home, right? I mean, um, and, and so for our, our previous brand, Room at the Inn, I mean, it really said what we did. It was easy to understand. Um, but it, for someone who is not currently embracing their faith or any faith at all, that might alienate them. They, they might not pick up the phone and call us um, because of whatever perceptions they have in their mind, you know, right or wrong. Um, it's it's their, it's their truth because that's what they know. Um, and so as, as a housing service, we have to look beyond ourselves and understand that it's on us to communicate what we do and what, what we're like and understand that, you know, whether we like it or not, people might make assumptions. <laughs> and, uh, and so we have to help to reach them and, and meet them where they are. That certainly puts some perspective on things. Um, and I'm remembering now that you mention it, um, experiences that clients have told me about or even just being in different environments when I was in college or, you know, doctor's offices. And you are spot on. You're right. Those brochures for whatever the other resources, housing included, is right next to all of their other options, including Planned Parenthood. Um, and so that definitely gives perspective on the importance. And you're right, nobody's going to do that for us. So we we need to make sure that we are sharp and up to date in this area so that we can reach her. Uh, and so that's motivating to me and energizing for me. <laughs> so, okay, one thing I found, Debbie, is as I've been talking to other you know, heartbeat affiliates um, out there and members of our uh, our maternity housing coalition. I have found that a lot of people have told me that they're aware that their logo is old. They've had it for a long time. Their website, you know, is old um, or maybe template or whatever the case is. But they find themselves wavering on: Is it time to change it up? What do we change it up to? 
How do you know if it's time? Um, you've got factors like, for example, Nike, who's kept the same logo for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got others like Walmart that's updated their logo throughout the years. So there's kind of this ambiguity over, I recognize that my logo and my brochures appear dated, but I'm not sure when to do something about it or what to do. So just from that tone of the conversation, as I've been asking around, what would you say are some indicators for us in the maternity housing world that it's time for our organization to rebrand? Yeah, I mean, I would say listen to the questions that people are asking you, especially those who don't know who you are or, or what you do. Um, you know, for example, when, when we needed to rebrand, it was because there were, you know, Nationwide, there were more than there were more than twenty organizations with a name similar to Room at the Inn or Room in the Inn, and including two others right here in our own state. So, you know, that was a huge push for us that we we knew that we needed to differentiate ourselves. But also, if you're spending more time explaining, you know, who you're not as opposed to who you are, that's a big indicator. Um, if and like you just said, if you can just look at something and visibly see that it just makes you feel, it just gives you that feeling that it's outdated, or you you feel like you have to apologize when you hand out a business card, or you know, those types of things, those are valid because if 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 you're feeling it, other people are probably feeling feeling it as well. Um, and, and some other things might be even more concerning if if you're having trouble attracting staff or clients. Um, it may be a time to rebrand it. Also, if you're taking on a new program um, initiative, you know, it really helps to, to, to marry a rebranding with, with something else that's exciting about the organization. Um, because the, the opposite side of the coin is, you know, our loyal, faithful supporters, right? I mean, they are emotionally invested in the name and the logo that they've been supporting for so many years. And you don't want them to feel left behind. Um, and so it's this constant balancing act that we do to attract and, and to please both very different audiences. Um, but I think a lot of it, too, is just you, you kind of know, right? And, and you, you get that feeling and, um, and then you just start looking and, and asking the questions amongst the board and the staff. And if, if you keep hearing, yes, 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 we should probably update then it's it's probably time to do it. Well, that makes it really simple. It's <laughs> 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 just as simple as that. I, I well, really you, you know, that. I mean, you know, if you're about it, it's probably time. <laughs> well, you, you know, and I honestly, every board should, you know, every five to ten years, is, it should be looking at strategic planning and 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 looking at these things. And you know, are there other organizations that are? Um, is there duplicate? Are there duplicate services out there? Do, you know, what's our niche? Um, and that goes hand in hand with with branding and, and image. Um, and I don't say to, to take it on lightly because it's a huge it's a huge project. So I don't mean to downplay that at all. Um, but you know, like I said, we talked about it. The organization here talked about it for years, and it just finally takes you know the, somebody to say to say, okay, you know, let's quit talking about it. Let's do it. So okay. So if we've, we've gone through what you're talking about and we recognize, yes, if it looks dated, it's because it is. And it's time for <laughs> us to rebrand. And I certainly agree that it is a significant undertaking. So that should be done with 
intentionality and planning, um, including at the board level. What would you say from your experience, what are some notable keys that we should know about for successful rebranding? Mm-hmm. I have the luxury of saying get a professional to help because that's what we were able to do. Um, you know, God puts um, put someone in uh, in our path that was willing to help us with that, that that was what they did for a living was rebranding. Um, but even looking back, if even if we hadn't had that, I, I think it's really important to find you know, we were able to work with an organization called Brand Symbol, and they're phenomenal. Um, but even if you had one person that that's that, that knows marketing, that knows something about branding, you really need that third party person that's not emotionally invested in it to walk you through the process. Um, you know, it and for us, it was a well-defined process. You, you bring in, you know, a, a key team of people that included, we included folks that were founding board members, past board members, um, key donors that, you know, and, and anybody that we felt like really should be in the know and, and not be surprised by this process. You want to bring them in and, and then you start polling your, your, your stakeholders, your, your donors and your partners in the community. And, they, we did a survey and simply asked them, like, when you think of then room at the end, what words come to mind? And those, they called them creative cues, but those words, you know, things like welcoming, comforting, hopeful, um, nurturing, um, those were helpful to, as, to guide the process and also words to avoid that they felt like we should avoid, like facility or things that made it sound too institutional. And then from there, you know, we, they started to, we also knew that we wanted to honor our roots and our biblical um, roots. So Miravia is actually two Latin um, roots put together to come together to mean the miraculous way or the wondrous journey, depending on how you um, translate that Latin. And in the logo, we included um, a star, the star of Bethlehem, and to so that we knew we understood the symbolism, and we could educate our our base on the fact that yes, we are still a faith based organization, and this is who we are. Um, but help us to reach more people by supporting this this process. Um, so those you know communication is so key because you don't want anyone to feel left behind. You don't want to alienate anybody. And what we did, too, is after we went through the process and everybody, the committee had voted on the new name and the new logo, we held a small event for those that we felt needed to know first before we announced it to the larger audience um, to help them to understand why we rebranded, how we rebranded and what the new brand is communicating and then we waited and we announced it at our annual banquet so that everybody was in the room or almost everybody was in the room um, all here at the same time to, so that we could communicate it in the way that we wanted it to be to be understood. And then it's, you know, it's not a one and done. You're constantly, you know, having to send out more information and letters and, and keeping that message going out there about the new name and, and reassuring people that just because it's a new name and a new logo 
the mission, you know, the heart of the mission is the same. The people are the same because I think that people will immediately try to make that comparison between a corporate rebranding or new ownership or those types of things. Um, and so it's balancing moving forward, but also keeping everyone in the loop so that no one feels like this is, you know, somehow, you know, separating yourself from who you, who you are. So those are seven concrete <laughs> and applicable <laughs> options. And I love it. Sorry, I'm not very is, good at bullet pointing. I just, I just ramble. <laughs> well, I'm a good bullet pointer. So I was doing my little bullets as you were talking. And it's so helpful um, for me because that means for myself and other listeners that we can come back to this as notes and kind of check off the list, these things that you learned along the way. So maybe... Um, we won't have to learn it on our own the hard way <laughs> as much. So that is very, very helpful. Um, and definitely steps that I'm going to follow myself as I am working with this awesome team discussing um, some rebranding ourselves with the coalition. And so we've been kind of having this conversation, wondering what that would look like and just exactly what you're talking about, talking to um, members of the coalition and affiliates. And we're just at the beginning of kind of pulling exactly what you're talking about, people's impression or thoughts mm -hmm. of the coalition. So to have mm -hmm. this so linear is helpful. I think I might just make a checklist on my whiteboard and just go down the list. As I go <laughs> but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what are some words of caution that you would offer to homes considering rebranding? Right. Well, first word of caution is, is was the not doing the first thing, which is getting someone who knows this process to help, because there are pitfalls. You know, if you pick a name that is not sound in a trademark search and then you're you know, you find yourself that you, you know, you're infringing on someone else's name or trademark. Um, and then all of that was for nothing. <laughs> you know? um, and uh, and. You know, other pitfalls I would say are um, trying to be somebody that you're not, you know, and we did take a little, you know, it's like I said, it's so subjective. It's so subjective. So, you know, there were people that hated it, you know, and, and so if they, and if they let you know that, if they say, gosh, I really, I really miss our old name. Why did y'all do this? It's like I said, it's communication. And so we put on our website, um, for over a year after we rebranded um, the story of, of why and how and what the name means and what the logo means and what the symbolism is. And that really helped, you know, once people got it, that they could, that they could feel a connection with it, then they're okay. But it was those that felt like, Oh no, I was so connected to that name and to that logo. Um, that they felt, you know, it's, it's kind of like when a friend, you know, <laughs> losing a friend in some way. And so you have to reintroduce them. Well, that makes perfect sense, especially I would think um, for donors that have sacrificed to see this organization be successful. And mm -hmm. I'm also thinking about former residents, right? I yeah. would imagine that mm -hmm. they would have an attachment to yeah. whatever was of the former uh, so those yeah. are, that's definitely a, a good word of caution that I hadn't thought about. 
Yep. And we even have clients that were in the program during the rebranding. It was really kind of funny to see, you know, their reaction and be like, well, okay. Um, you know, but in today's, you know, because the clients that we are working, the, the referral agencies that we're working with are, are very often secular and they, we found that they feel more comfortable if they're referring to something that, um, you know, for lack of, you know, that they would, they're always worried that they're somehow that we're, I'll, okay, I'll break it down to the story that our very first resident who moved in after we opened the new facility, and we we had the name room at the end, um, and she said, I didn't call at first because people told me, oh, you know, that's um, a faith-based maternity home. They just want your baby. They only care about the baby. and you know, it was hurtful because that's not the truth, but in finding a new image and message to say, hey, we are all about the mom and the baby. You know, it almost sounds like a spa, like come to <laughs> Miravia Spa. Um, so that was one thing that was really eye-opening to hear it straight from from a client that there is a lot in a name. That's a good story and very applicable. I, I'm, I think that most of us in this maternity housing world can relate uh, to trying to manage the public perception that there is an agenda uh, to get someone's baby, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it takes work to really push back against that narrative and, and reveal the heart for for the mom, for her uniquely, right. individually, exactly. right? Um, and and the baby as, as his or her own separate person right, mm -hmm. right, um, right. And just respecting them as two separate people and loving them loving them separately and mm -hmm. wholly and so right. um what i appreciate you sharing with us uh is there anything else you think we should think about or know regarding rebranding in the maternity housing world no i you know i'm happy to make myself available if anybody has questions um they can reach me um at debbie capen at miravia.org um and uh, our website is miravia.org they can find me through there as well um, because every process is going to be unique it's just as unique as the people that are involved well i appreciate that debbie and i hope that people take you up on that offer um let me ask you this final question uh, and this is this is just something I'm curious about. Tell me, what do you see upcoming on the horizon of the maternity housing movement as a whole? Oh wow! I tell you, if I had a, a magic wand to be able to respond to the needs that I'm seeing, I would say it is housing for women with multiple children. Um, we can house women with up to one other child. But the number of calls that we have to refer away because the woman has multiple children, you know, makes it's it's a, it's sad to have to say no to somebody. So I can't say in every geographic area if it's the same, but I would say to be able to house women with multiple children and also to be able to house women um, who don't necessarily speak English, that where language might be a barrier. Um, those are the two things that I feel like we're not well prepared for. Those are great thoughts to think about. And I can tell you that just in other conversations, I uh, have heard this elsewhere 
um, particularly about women with children. And as this discussion comes up, it's not necessarily women with children, but multiple, as you mentioned. And the pressure there, I think, that has sent some scrambling to find a solution is that there's also this this truth that's we find this trend that the the mom of multiple children is statistically at a higher risk for choosing to terminate um, an unintended or unplanned pregnancy, and so mm-hmm. it it can be a particularly emotional moment for people in the maternity housing world when they have to turn this person away. Um, so I definitely see what you're talking about there, and uh, have felt that that strain. Um, And so that's good insight. And I'm sure conversations that we will be having more in the future. So Debbie, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, podcast listeners for tuning in. Um, Be listening for more episodes from us more and more. We are ramping up with more content. And this content is based directly on what you are talking to me about and what you're telling me you need. So if you are not plugged into the National Maternity Housing Coalition, I would encourage you to do that. You can reach me with questions about that at housing at heartbeatinternational.org and I will get you hooked up. We've got an excellent Facebook group dedicated exclusively to maternity home leaders where we talk about topics like this all the time and where you can give me feedback to let me know what you're working on right now so that I could help bring you fresh, relevant information on that subject. So we love you. We're praying for you and excited to see you at the next episode.